The greatest pleasure I think that I get is, is really working with the, the, the produce, the producers and the team creating food and, and that relationship that you build up over the years with people that really enable you to do what you do. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. The culinary world often talks of Michelin stars, the drive to be the best, to aim for perfection and deliver excellence. And yet we as people are fallible and at times not so perfect. What does it take not only to strive to be the best in your craft, but when at the pinnacle, maintain the standards and stay true to yourself as well? Claire Smith is one of the world's greatest chefs and restaurateurs an owner of Core in London, and now Encore in Sydney as well. Claire, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. You've um, It's been a challenging period of time for everyone on the planet, and, and particularly hospitality, and yet you've opened your first international restaurant during this time. How has that been? Yeah, I mean, it was certainly a challenge, but, you know, we've kind of, um, yeah, we, we, get, we got through it, and I think that, you know, we, we definitely all grew um, as people during that time and we learned that we could do things differently um, and actually some things we learned that we could do better so I think that it is all all a learning curve why, why, why Australia? I know very very early on in your career you worked in Australia but what was the lure for you? Um, it was really uh, you know I was coming back to Australia more and more often um, uh, throughout the year for various uh, culinary trips or um, filming and there's just such an amazing food scene in Australia and it, and it's just growing and growing and then the opportunity came up to work with Crown in this wonderful building um, which we're in now um, in Sydney and it was a once in a lifetime opportunity to be honest and I think that the restaurant is just absolutely stunning and I was able to design it from the beginning and as the building was being built um, to, to be standing on the floor with no walls as it's going up is pretty exciting. Well, quality produce is at the heart of everything that you do and produce in the UK is quite different to that of Australia. How, how different are the restaurants and, and what surprised you about the produce here? Um, I think that you know, I was learning more and more about the produce um, in my visits to Australia and I generally would kind of visit a few surprising producers and I just saw that the quality of produce just continues to get better. There are more and more amazing producers here um, and, and the diversity in Australia is incredible. And I, I think that, you know, yes, the produce is different than it is in the UK, but that's all about sort of learning how to use it. And that's actually most of the fun. Um, so things like fish are obviously quite different, mm. um, but it's just about a different approach to how you cook them. I want to explore sort of what you are doing here in Australia and, and the sort of food that you, you're cooking, but take us back to when you were young. What, what, was, what sort of role did food play in your family? Um, I grew up on a farm, so food was incredibly important. Producing food, um, but it was a traditional mixed farm and it was incredibly hard work. You know, 365 days a year, we had sheep, dairy, um, we had, wow. uh, you know, the odd sort of goat, beef, cattle. We obviously, we grew co crops and my um, aunt and uncle were potato farmers. So I understood what it took to produce food. But also, you know, when you're working like that um, on farms, 
food's incredibly important for for the morale of the, the people working and and you need a good hearty wholesome food what first lured you to a career in hospitality um i was working in a local restaurant um when i was about 14 years old in my school holidays um doing a bit of washing up and waiting tables for some extra pocket money and i i just kind of started cooking and really sort of got into food and i met some chefs that worked in michelin starred restaurants um and then bought my first cookbook which was anton musselman's cuisine a la carte and the pictures in there really inspired me and you know there was the images of Anton Mosman and his tall white hat and bow tie in the Dorchester Hotel in London. And that really inspired me. And I thought, you know, I was always quite creative um, and artistic. So that those those images and the food and the dishes and, you know, the front cover was black with a white hexagonal plate and the red soup in the middle. Um, and it was all that kind of nouvelle cuisine style, but it really grabbed my attention. Um, and then I saw that this was not just a job, but it was something that was really beautiful and incredible. And, you know, then I saw that as quite glamorous. Um, and I knew then that that's what I wanted to do. I knew that that creative side of food um, and that sort of luxury end was was for me. Very early on in your career, you um, sort of honed your skills in um, UK and Australian restaurants. How different were those experiences in those kitchens? Um, very different in terms of, um, I think back then when I first came to Australia, there was um, there was a lot of uh, European influence and a lot of imported ingredients, which is something I never see now on menus, which is incredible. Um, but there was also that um, Asian influence and fusion. So I learned a lot about that as well, which was quite uh, different for me coming from Europe. Um and so, you know, that was a really nice uh, introduction to that sort of fusion of Australian food and cooking and diversity of it. You've, uh, you've worked with uh, Gordon Ramsay for many years, a small stint at first before you um, worked with Lane Ducasse. Um, tell us about the influence of Ramsay and, and working with, with that group for so long. Yeah, I mean, Gordon's been a great mentor to me, uh, obviously, starting out. Um, I just wanted to work with the best chefs in the world. And Gordon had just won three mission stars at Royal Hospital Road and really sort of became quite known then. You know, it was kind of when he really came into the limelight. And it was an incredibly intense kitchen. Um, but I knew from the moment I stepped in that kitchen that I, I wanted to learn from, from him, I wanted to learn in that kitchen because of the intensity. And I figured that if I could, if I could make it there, then that would give me a good opportunity of, of being successful. And so, um, you know, I worked my way up in that kitchen um, until I was a, a senior sous chef before I left to go to work for Alan Ducasse because I always had my sights on, you know, was I going to go to the French Laundry or was I going to go to Louis Cairns and work um, for Alan Ducasse? Because those, and they still are today, three of the chefs that inspire me the most. Um, I went to spend a bit of time in um, New York and California because Per Se had just opened then. Um, and I spent a week there. I spent a week at the French Laundry. And then I would do this in my holidays from work from Royal Hospital Road. And then, um, and then off to Monaco to, to check that out. And then I knew also with the same feeling that I had at Royal Hospital Road that the kitchen 
at Alan Ducasse in Monaco was where I needed to be because it was even more challenging in the fact that it, it was in the French language. It was classical. And that was an even bigger challenge than potentially going to the French laundry. Well, what did you take from your time with Alain Ducasse? Um, I very much, uh, it was really about produce um, and about, um, you know, that sort of classical French cooking. It was, you know, a dream to be in that restaurant every single day um, using the best produce in the world. Uh, it was a, a great environment to work in. We literally had a huge team um, and there was never an expense spared. And it really was about cooking to the absolute pinnacle. Everything cooked a la minute. You know, we would get the produce from the market. Franck Ceruti would go to the market in the morning and bring the produce back um, and you would cook it a la minute. You know, artichokes were, were turned and cooked a la minute in that restaurant. You, you, they'd never touched uh, lemon or anything before they went into the pan. That's in service. You know, risottos cooked a la minute would be, depending upon the year of the, the risotto, be you know, it would have been 18 or 19 minutes per portion. So it was incredibly challenging on the stove because everything was cooked like that. Um, there's certain sauces like, you know, you'd have woodcock and that'd be cooked on the bone, sauce pressed, everything made a la minute in the, in the kitchen before serving that. So it's the only time I think in my life where I've been really challenged cooking or, you know, when you chefs always say, oh, I'm, go I'm gone down in service. I think that's the only time I've ever actually, because there's just so much to do a la minute. And in France, everyone eats at the same time. So it was, it was really, really good for me. When you, you went back to uh, restaurant Gordon Ramsay, you were uh, head chef and you became um, chef patron as well and held on to the three Michelin stars as the restaurant has for so long. What, what, were, the, what were those pressures like and, and being in that role to sort of maintain those standards year on year? Yeah, I mean, I was, uh, I was 28 when I came back to take over that head chef's role and I was, you know, the first woman to do it. And so I got quite a lot of attention. Um, but I was, I was petrified because I was, you know, what if I'm the first woman to lose them? And, you know, I, I was unsure of myself. So I was just trying to fill the shoes of, of the people that I'd worked for and very much worked in the same way. That's what was expected of me until I kind of grew a bit more in confidence, realizing that, and it was Gordon was always fantastic with me because he used to always say, well, if I didn't think you could do it, you wouldn't be in the role and you have the training. So you know what you're doing. And he was right. I did know what I was doing. I did have the training, but I just then needed to grow into my own sort of shoes a little bit to create my own identity and style, which kind of came a few years down the line in that confidence because, you know, just retaining the stars every year, you know, I grew in confidence to, I became chef patron of the restaurant and Gordon really gave me the free reign then to, to, to basically push it forward um, into a new era, which is what we did um, until, you know, I was ready to open my own place. Gordon's one of the most recognised people on the planet, but what's he actually like to work with? Do you have any stories that sort of exemplify um, that um, working relationship? Yeah, I mean, plenty. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like he, he, people always think that Gordon was, um, you know, has this sort of certain persona in the kitchen um, as sort of quite, you know, aggressive. And But, you know, he's uh, was a great mentor to me all the way through my career. I can remember even when I was, 
uh, younger and I was probably about 23, 24 years old and I was a chef to party and he used to be very generous with us. He really used to look after us and, and you know, he'd, uh, he called me out of the kitchen one night to have a chat and he said, you know, you're talented and capable for sure beyond belief, but you know, you're a young woman and you're quite shy. And he said, you know, what we need to do is to teach you how to run the kitchen now. And he said, you just think about Margaret Thatcher. She was also a young woman and she learned how to run a country. And I think, you know, things, moments like that make you realize that, you know, he was looking out for talent um, and, and he gave me the confidence to do it. And there's so many uh, times that, you know, when you doubted myself that he said, you know, he could, gave me the the faith and I felt that, you know, if you screwed up, I knew you had my back, which is also quite an important thing um, in, in restaurants. You've um, had many, many accolades over your career, but you were appointed member of the Order of the British Empire for your services to hospitality. Take, take us back to that moment. What What did that feel like? Yeah, I mean, that was just complete surprise out of the blue. You know, envelope came, came through the post and I and I was like, you know, there's that sort of stamp, stamp on it from the from the Queen. And then and it's like, yeah, I just couldn't believe it. So um, it was a real, real honour. And, you know, I remember going to Buckingham Palace to get my MBE and I was, Adele was there with me and Christian Horner on the day. And it was pretty cool, you know, and it's like, yeah, it's, it, there's one thing I think getting, recognition in your culinary world but getting recognition from your country is extra special you mentioned um that you um, became ready to open your own restaurant tell us about that period of time like what was the build-up to that and finding the site and and landing on exactly what you wanted to do yeah so i think you know i had on and off over the years been looking to wanting to open my own restaurant really and i think even back in 2012 was the first conversation um, I had with Gordon about it and we looked at some sites and then he turned around and said, look, do you know, why don't you just take this over because <laughs> you, you already have everything. Um, and that's when I actually became chef patron at restaurant Gordon Ramsay. But there was always niggling in the background, you know, about wanting to do it. So again, it was probably like 2015 then that I said, you know, this is something that I really want to do. Um, I really want to create something from scratch and prove to myself that I can, that I can do it. So, um, again, Gordon's very supportive and helped with the business plan and, and everything. And then we started looking for sites. So, and I also wanted to do it from scratch myself. So, I wrote the business plan myself. Then I, you know, went to get the sites, the interior designers, and, and walked through and actually didn't take on another member of staff to about four or five months before the restaurant opened because I didn't even have the budget to do it. So I had the interior designer. Obviously, I had the the contractors in and the builders and the interior designers and lawyers and accountants and all those things. But I was running it myself, um, as well as you know doing the development for the food, and then really took on my first full time staff about five months before the restaurant opened. Um, but it was all to do with budget. You know, it was like I didn't have huge budget to do it. Um, but we, I knew I had the talent or, and I knew I had the talent around me. So the team that were coming on board were extremely um, capable. Uh, so when they started to come on board is when we really started to run. But it was, you know, opening a restaurant is, 
is never easy. It's always quite a traumatic experience, and it certainly was for me. I went from hero to zero quite quickly. You know, when you're taking, you're running a three Michelin starred restaurant that's, you know, maxed every guide that there, that exists, and then you go to do an opening and an opening night. The waiter falls down the stairs, and all the food gets smashed up against the window, the glass window in the kitchen, and slides down the glass. And you're just thinking, what am I doing? <laughs> but it's um, it's a bit it's a steep learning curve. And in I say, thankfully, with all the ability of the team around me, and we knew we would we would get it fixed up pretty quickly. Tell me a little bit about um, your your cookery. Is, is there a dish or two that kind of exemplifies sort of where you're at with with core and, and encore? Yeah, I mean, I think the dishes that we've kind of become known for have been the more vegetable-based dishes, such as potato and roe, lamb, carrot, um, you know, cheese and onion. But the ones, I mean, we're working on new things like that. Um, and I'm always stripping things back. So I, I'll start with a dish and people, you know, we talk about adding on. And there's a team behind it. You know, I have a great development chef, Antonio, and, you know, the head chef at Core, Johnny and Alan here at Encore, and they're they're all always involved in the process. And I think it's like foods like music now, you know, there's lots of people that produce it. But we always end up taking things away. I always want things being more and more simple and more about the product. Um, and so, yeah, just it, it's kind of maybe that comes with age and maturity. Is, is that restraint or is that difficult to, to, to put on a plate like that and, and pull back? Yeah, and I, I, it is, but as I say, I think it's a natural process. It, it kind of it's something that the older I get, the more the more I think like that. And I also really stick to, you know, uh, it's important to me where the food comes from. You know, I really want to stick to British uh, food and culture. And when I'm here in Australia, I really want to use Australian products. And it, it it's not, you know, I I like to dig deep and find. The, the producers to create the dishes from rather than the other way around. You said something a bit early uh, that was quite interesting with opening um, Core that you went from hero to zero, but uh, in 2020, uh, Core was awarded three Michelin stars. Th- tell us about that arc and, and that moment and what that felt like to, to reach that level with your own restaurant. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible. I think that, it, you know, I remember those first opening months of Core and just standing at the pass after service just being like it's just not good enough it's just not good enough and sitting the guys down in the restaurant in those first few months and saying you know we need to just get better you know the people that are sitting around this table now we're they going to make it or we're not and I knew the level I'd been working for 15 years of my life in three Michelin star restaurants so I knew what it needed to be um and I did have the team with, you know, good background and similar knowledge. So it was that case of just analyzing and analyzing and analyzing everything we did and polishing it and polishing it and just getting better and, and stronger um, to, to achieve that. And, you know, I think the second year of core, we thought, and I said to the head chef, you know, I didn't say it openly, but between us, I said, we literally have to throw the kitchen sink at this. We need to get this done. We know what, what the level is. Um, and we need to we need to do it, and we really drilled down into the dishes um, and perfected them, and then got that level of consistency, which was the key to the the third star, I think. 
perfection often has has a cost. How, how do you balance that striving for perfection um, with that sort of life work balance and and um, keeping sane as well? Yeah, I think that it's. I think there's always that thing about that work life balance, and I don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> I always think that my work kind of is my life, and it's a choice that I've made. Um, mm. I I really enjoy the things that I do. I you know earlier on in my career, obviously I worked incredibly hard. I still work incredibly hard, but in a different way. Um, and I have incredible opportunities to do really amazing things that I wouldn't have been able to do if I hadn't put that work in. So it opens amazing doors in life. Um, and so is it a balance? I think the balance is, is probably more now, but I'm doing the things that I want to do and that I've dreamt of doing, not necessarily. It's not really about sitting on a beach for me. It's not never something that's appealed to me, but I love getting the opportunity to do the things that I do now. You um, understood the pressures of uh, three Michelin stars uh, when you worked with, with Gordon and your chef patron at uh, restaurant Gordon Ramsay, but is it a different pressure when it's your restaurant at three Michelin stars? What, what, how do you handle that? I think it is a different, it's a different pressure um, for sure because you don't have someone else over your shoulder. Um, but it also felt different because this time it was me that had won them. Um, so it was a validation in a way that, so I, yeah, again, it's about age, experience, confidence, and knowing that having received or been awarded the three mission stars for the way that we were cooking does kind of, it, it means a lot more in a way, you know, that we set out and we started to cook differently. It's a brand new style or vision for the restaurant. Um, and to know that those dishes were worthy of three Michelin stars meant a lot. Uh, Encore's been open in Sydney for a little while now. What, what surprised you about the dining landscape here? Um, you know, it was a lot of, I, I, there's a great vibe about Sydney and I love um, people's enthusiasm about food and people really enjoy going out. There's a, there's a really lovely atmosphere in the dining room every night. You know, people really come out, get really excited about dining and and that's something that I I love the buzz is is fantastic in Sydney but everywhere actually and there's such a great diversity of restaurants here um, and it's just a vibey kind of place to be a, a lot of our guests that have come on the show that um, that have had uh, longish careers talk of how kitchen culture has changed quite a lot in the industry how much has it changed um, within the kitchens that you have now compared to a couple of decades ago? Yeah, I mean, it's a tremendous change, um, thankfully. Um, you know, and I, I think that, you know, we were always talking about it, I think, about how it's changed, but it's changed so much. But thankfully, as I said, it has changed so much. And sometimes we keep going back over the thing, the way that restaurants were, but they're definitely not like that anymore. And, and for me, it was kind of like most, well, all restaurants at top level that I worked in were the same. You know, it was just that, that sort of culture of the way we worked then that is just, when you think back about it now, it is, you do, I cringe about it. Um, but it is kind of is what it is. And, and thank God we've moved on. Encore is um, 
your first restaurant outside of the UK, but you've cooked all over the planet at all sorts of events and for all sorts of reasons. Is there any any sort of event or um, moment that really stands out in your career when you've been cooking around the globe? Um, yeah, I think, I mean, there's two events probably in the UK that I've um, that have been really proud and daunting moments of my career. Um, cooking for the Royal Wedding was definitely one of them, um, pressured situations, um, that, and then um, cooking at 10 Downing Street for the World Investment uh, Summit, where we had a lot of the world leaders and, you know, like sort of Bill Gates and CEOs of, of large corporations there. Um, and that was quite daunting, welcoming them all and introducing them to the dinner and the food that I was cooking for them that evening. Um, you don't find yourself as a as a chef introducing the prime minister. Um, but I think that that's sort of, but it was, I was absolutely petrified to do that, but it was, it was a, it was a really amazing thing to do. And, you know, to take my team in there uh, and to do that and for them to see the results and for us to be able to showcase Britain and British food to the world was really important to me. Not many people uh, get to um, go to royal weddings, let alone cook at them. Um, t- tell us about the royal wedding and, and what you cooked. Did you have any stories from the from the day? Yeah, I mean, we we cooked. I mean, they they had been eating at core and just loved core, um, and so we had um, you know we had done the tastings and we prepared the menu. But the, probably the cooler thing for me was actually weirdly not necessarily cooking for the royal wedding it was the fact that um because we were a restaurant we weren't like a catering uh, outfit and we didn't have the facilities to be able to build a satellite kitchen and a marquee we had to work with a partner um and one of the partners we could work with was actually anton mosman the guy who <laughs> inspired me to be a chef and they said to me oh you don't need to work with anton but he had done all the other royal weddings and I said, no, 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 you don't understand. I want to work with Anton Mosman. <laughs> so then I got to um, cook with him, you know, and of course, because it was a royal wedding, he came along um, and I remember cleaning up in the car park in the morning and I was there in the car park. It was about 6 a.m. in the morning and he drove in in his E-type Jag with his little bow tie and his chef's jacket and I just thought, what a legend. And, and it was, and he was a true gentleman. And so, um, yeah, and you come full circle in your career where then he was actually, him and his team were assisting us to cook the dishes from Corfe for the Royal Wedding. And, and it was just such a real privilege. You've had the most extraordinary career and um, there's so much more of it to come. What is it about hospitality that you love? Um, I love I love working with producers and produce and teams. You know, working, that's something that I get a tremendous amount of pleasure out of. And then, of course, that results in serving guests and making people happy because ultimately hospitality is about people and making people happy. But the greatest pleasure I think that I get is is really working with the, the, the produce, the producers and the team creating food and, and that relationship that you build up over the years with people that really enable you to do what you do. Uh, well, Claire, congratulations on, on your incredible career and also on the um, opening in, in Australia, which I know is uh, getting rave reviews. We've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds to hear your story. Please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. Well, thank you very much. We'll speak soon. 
This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.